Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Are you caring for an aging loved one? Are you a senior searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live a program dedicated to you. Providing information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. And now, America's Senior Care Consultant, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, your Senior Care Consultant, and I really appreciate you tuning in. We have an excellent program for you here today with my friend and special guest in studio, Mr. David Wiley. He's the President and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And David, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Thanks, Steve. It's good to be here and Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year to you. Did you have a, a good holiday season, You know, Christmas, New Year, all that good stuff? Yeah, it was terrific. And uh it's uh, ready to get the year kicked off, and uh, yeah, it was a great time. Absolutely. So I love the topic that we're going to be talking about here today, New Year's resolutions for caregivers and, and connecting caregivers to resources and support. Super. It's always important, but I think it's really important uh, here as we kick off our new year. So we're all looking so optimistically uh, ahead to this new year, and, and here we are almost in the middle of January. <laughs> but uh, uh, David, uh, you're here to visit with us about some ways that people who are caring for family members can do just that look ahead in the keyword optimistically. So do you have any advice for caregivers or maybe some things that might be helpful to them? Sure. You know, I think um, breaking it down into just setting goals for the new year, both in terms of caring for your family member and then caring for yourself. So first, some ideas for people who are a caregiver for someone else. You know, it's always great to just gather information about the diagnosis or whatever the person um, that you're caring for is suffering with. Look for care options and community resources. Make a list of those in your circle who can share caregiving duties. Use a written schedule to organize appointments, plan for daily tasks like meals, personal care, and medications. And I think a big one is to divide up household chores You know, it's okay to ask for help with things like cleaning and laundry. And a lot of times people will just ask you, you know, how can I help you? And just having something ready to say yes to is really – can be a big win not only for you but for that person asking. And we have a hard time – Kind of letting go of just some of the basic things. Yeah. Uh, now, this is a little different uh, application, but when we had our triplets many, many years ago, mm-hmm. uh, I had some very good advice from a, another triplet dad who had been through all of this. <laughs> and he said, you will receive offers from people who want to help. They really genuinely want to help you. 
let them help you. He said, if they ask to do your laundry, hand them a basket of laundry. Something as simple as that. He said, I'm telling you, you'll never regret that. It will help you so much. Just trust me and receive the help from people. I think it's a great advice. And, and, and when you're caring for a caregiver, you know, some of those tasks are overwhelming and just having somebody change your light bulbs. I mean, yeah. those things can be really uh, important. You know, next, uh, ideas for self-care, you know, um, in terms of goals, just remind yourself of your own hobbies and likes. Make some time for mind- mindfulness like journaling, gratitude practice, uh, meditation, for example, scheduling time for yourself. You know, sometimes that's just something very simple, one day off a week or even a month uh, to leave the house and to do something that you enjoy. Make time to spend with others that that's not caregiver related, you know, like renting a movie or virtual happy hour or a live happy hour in uh, these these nice times of good weather. Sure. Uh, take care of your own health, which means walking and staying active. Make your, your medical, your dental appointments now and later in the year. And then I think think ahead to the future. And it's okay to dream, you know, possi- the possibility of family gatherings or even a short tr- trip later in the year can be really part of that list. Absolutely. All excellent advice. And, you know, everyone is struggling in different ways with the prolonged effects of this ongoing pandemic. And I I was visiting with someone earlier this week and I asked, do you think do you think this stuff, the COVID is ever going to go away? We both came to the same conclusion immediately. I think it's here to stay. I think it's just in different forms. And so we're we're just going to have to kind of deal with this. So uh, this can be especially difficult for those caring for a family member who's living with them. So uh, are there some some other ideas uh, for getting out of the house safely for a break? You know, I think it's super important, Steve. You know, just going to the store alone or taking a long drive to listen to some music or maybe a, a favorite podcast um, can really give you a break. Or maybe it's just driving in silence. That sometimes can be really refreshing. Um, I recommend making a plan for it. You know, schedule it and a list that help that we talked about so you can really give yourself the full time um, away without worry, guilt or feeling rushed. You know, this may look different, um, you know, not as much or as frequent as time that you might normally do these things. But that doesn't mean it has to go to way, go away altogether. <clears throat> Even an hour once a month or a few minutes a day can really be me- meaningful. And I think finally one of the most important things that, that you can do is practice self-compassion. Being kind to yourself is the foundation for self-care, giving yourself credit for the tough, complex work of caregiving Step away from the critical, you know, the, the, the critical thinking, the harsh inner voice, and allowing yourself time to take care of yourself is just so important. You know, the way we talk to ourselves internally, it, it makes a huge difference. It really does. Uh, it can brighten your day. It can, it can uh, totally destroy your day. Uh, sometimes we're our own worst enemies, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just being positive and optimistic can go a really long way. A- absolutely. And if it's hard to be positive and optimistic, Find something, even if it's something really, really small, and and congratulate yourself uh, on a job well done. It could have been just cooking a basic meal or something. Find something to be positive about. It's just really going to help. So, uh, David, this is the time of year many of us are also thinking about uh, ways that we can be more productive and healthy. You know, we have all these resolutions. We're trying to get off on a on a great foot uh, to begin the new year and find ways to take better care of ourselves. But, you know, this can be really difficult for someone caring for an ill or aging family member. Uh, do you have any insight or advice into how listeners in this situation 
can make times uh, can make some time for themselves. You know, I think it's a great point in question, Steve. You know, it's important and it's it's often overlooked uh, as part of being a caregiver. The importance of self care to avoiding caregiver burnout, staying physically and mentally and healthy um, is super important, and being able to be with and enjoy your time with with a loved one. You know, over time, caregiving stress can lead to burnout, a condition marked by irritability, fatigue, problems with sleep, weight gain, feelings of helplessness or hopelessness, and even social isolation. This not only makes it difficult to continue to devote yourself to your loved one, but it can cause even more stress as you might begin to question your own ability or feel guilty that you can't do more or be more. So, I think encouraging um, – just I encourage people to ask for help. If you're caring for someone um, on your own and you're feeling like it's becoming too much or, or you're seeing that their needs are changing and becoming more difficult, you know, I just encourage people to reach out to a provider and learn what services are available. <clears throat> you know, at Kansas City Hospice, um, we have a great information and intake department. They, they answer questions literally 24-7. Um, they're a wealth of information and people can always call us at 20, you know, 24-7. Okay. Um, so that's just a, a, an easy thing for people to do to, to get some help. And I, I'd like to provide our listeners with that number. It's 816-363-2600. That's Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. You can call for information. And as David mentioned, you know, 24-7, 816 363 2600. That's right. And you know, some if if you have a loved one that's already receiving hospice or home care services and you have questions or concerns, you can always reach out, you know, um, at any time. Our after hours weekend and evening team are always available again 24/7 to help. And I also recommend that you speak with your physician if you're experiencing any type of physical distress or or if the emotional exhaustion begins to feel too much. And finally, just as a reminder on hospice, when we have patients that are on hospice, we have what's called a respite program, and that offers um, the family uh, and the patient, um, you know, respite, which is a, a short patient stay. For example, at the Kansas City Hospice House, this ensures that the patient continues to receive that specialized care that they need, while giving their family and the caregivers the needed rest and respite that they need to to rejuvenate. So, do you have a lot of people reach out for that respite care that uh, that 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 short? stay that can just give the caregiver a break? You know, it, it happens. So when we have families that are um, on service with a, with a hospice patient, that can certainly happen. They, they work with our care team. They organize it. Sometimes it's helpful for that respite stay or maybe they need to go out of town and they need somebody to be with the patient while they're uh, away, for example, like at a wedding or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Reach out to the experts at Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. Here's the phone number. Be sure to write this down. It's 816-363-2600. That's 816-363-2600. You can also visit online. They have an excellent website. It's kchospice.org. We'll be back with more great information from David Wiley. But first, the Senior Care Live Question of the Week. Feelings of stress or inadequacy are clear indications that family caregiving is not for you. Is that statement true or false? What do you think? You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more with Steve coming up next. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. All right, back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. Feelings of stress or inadequacy are clear indications that family caregiving is not for you. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... False. The answer is false. And David, why is that statement false? You know, Steve, in fact, feeling like you aren't up to the challenge is often a clear signal that you not only understand the commitment you're making to your loved one, but that you are an exceptional caregiver. So feelings of stress and being overwhelmed are normal in caregiving. It's pretty normal and uh, and it can become overwhelming. And that's why you have to reach out and just, just ask for help. If there's, I think if there's one message that we get through today, mm-hmm. ask for help, or if help is being offered, accept that help. I agree with you 100%. Um, that's that, and, and frankly, that could save your life. Um, I, I've seen, and I won't go into gory details, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, but yep. that, that stress uh, of being a caregiver, if you're not getting help, you're not getting a respite stay, uh, uh, whatever the situation is, uh, it, it, can, it can crush you and cause health issues and, and maybe even could lead to your death. I mean, it really can. Yeah, it's a serious uh, consideration, and I think people should um, really make a plan like we're talking about today. Absolutely. We're visiting with David Wiley. He's the president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. If you'd like to reach out to David and the excellent team at KC Hospice, it's 816-363-2600 or online at kchospice.org. All right. So Kansas City Hospice provides expert hospice and palliative home care, but you also offer support to family and caregivers. So, David, can you tell us a little more about that? Sure. Kansas City Hospice supports the whole family during the end-of-life journey, and the role of the caregiver is very important, but it's also demanding, as we've talked about, physically, emotionally, and even financially, particularly for a caregiver who's taken on the role um, in a home care setting. Part of giving the highest quality compassionate care to, to our patients is making sure that the caregivers have the information that they need to make informed decisions and are able to connect with all available resources to help meet those needs that come up during this time. Okay, so how do you do that and what types of services or support is offered? You know, hospice care is provided, Steve, through a multidisciplinary team, and that's a a team of experts in all areas of of end-of-life and advanced illness care. these are resources when when symptoms are changing, uh, when pain increases, when mobility or function in the home changes, those types of things. We employ um, social workers on our mis- multidisciplinary team. Uh, they work with the family on, on a very individual level based on what's needed. Um, our social workers help families complete necessary paperwork. Um, that could be health care benefit applications. Um, they also educate and connect people in need to other community resources, uh, including um, those that, that Kansas City Hospice does offer. Okay, so you you have your own programs aside from the, the care that nurses and therapists and aides and others provide? Yeah, you know what? Um, we, we do have one program I'll talk about right now, which is really grown over the past couple of years, and it's called our, our B. Haley Fund. It, it provides financial assistance for patients. Um, and families who are struggling with things like food insecurity 
or the ability to pay their rent or their mortgage or their utility bills. With added medical and, and, and personal care expenses, caregivers often struggle to budget for things that many of us would view as very simple uh, necessities like soap and bath towels and other personal hygiene items or household goods such as cleaning supplies. Many families have been forced into difficult financial situations due to the pandemic-related job loss or the inability to work outside the home because it poses too much of a health risk to their medically fragile loved one. So our donors have really stepped up these past two years to help us meet that growing need. And, um, you know, we just wrapped up our our holiday uh, adoption program, which is a great example. This gives families just a little extra support during this meaningful time of year. The community, um, including our own staff, they come together to give families in need everything from extra diapers and grocery cards to gift cards for their children, new household items like curtains and sheets, and uh, a gift card or a special wish list item to treat caregivers with. So it really does go a long way to relieve some of that stress and give people a little peace of mind and happiness around the holidays. We had uh, 15 delivery volunteers this year uh, from more than 60 donors um, that were able to bring joy to 55 different families this year. That is amazing. So <clears throat> you just said a lot. <laughs> I did. So, so, so the B Haley Fund, yeah, and and, and you're providing food and just you know, like you said, basic household supplies. It's kind of easy to take those things for granted yep. until you don't have the resources to bring those things in. And, and you're so Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care is actually going above and beyond bath towels, personal hygiene items. So you're yeah. actually doing that. You know, Steve, um, and that's amazing. Our, our social workers and our team, you know, they identify families and it's it's uh, sometimes it's difficult for families to say, yes, I need a little bit of help. And yeah. our executive team always adopts a family every year. And um, this family was not religious. Uh, they didn't want these items wrapped. Um, but we gave them a winter coat. Yeah. yeah. Some new shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some very basic things that were on the list, and then of course some gift cards and things in order to really make it a little bit um, more more uh, special, but also yeah. really to help them out. I mean, so th- this is not hard things, and it's just uh, important for families. So uh, I would assume that to be a hospice provider. These things are not required. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> this is going uh, above and beyond, and I would say way above and beyond. Uh, and this is just one of the many, many reasons that I so, so thankfully recommend Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care to all of my clients and all of the many people that I visit with throughout the weeks and months and years. Uh, and, and, and look, most hospice providers, they're not doing these things, okay? So there's a reason that we talk about Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, 816-363-2600 or online at KC hospice.org. And we talked about how hospice social workers help connect families to resources. Are there any other services available that help both the patient and their family members? You know, Steve, we all know how significant the time at the end of someone's life is. And I think both patients and families seek ways that they can make this time meaningful and peaceful. The memories made during this time are so precious and really carry people through their their grieving and the rest of their own lives. 
Our hospice staff work hard to give each family opportunities to do this. For example, we host recognition ceremonies for veterans. We also do recognition ceremonies for really all patients. And these ceremonies give families a way to really um, honor their loved one, in, in, in particular in veterans, their service and their sacrifice. And it's really an important step in the patient's ability to resolve any emotions that are connected to that service and share stories from that, that time in their life. That is excellent. And we'll have more with David Wiley from Casey Hospice and Palliative Care coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. Have a question? Visit SeniorCareLive.com. Stick around. We'll have more with Steve coming up next. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For podcast of the program, go to SeniorCareLive.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We're here today with Mr. David Wiley. He's the president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice in Palliative Care. And, and David, we were uh, talking about other services available that can help both the patient and their family members. You know, absolutely, Steve. Um, one of the things that's unique about us is that, that we actually have more than 300 volunteers that help us in a variety of ways. And of those, 100 of them, are they, they're committed and they're able to su- provide support to home hospice patients. And these volunteers provide over 1,000 hours, volunteer hours, um, a year supporting um, hospice patients and the caregivers in their homes. I think wow. that's just incredible. That is. Um, you know – our volunteers provide that respite to caregivers, um, you know, others who, who make uh, memory, memory um, items like quilts and pillows, record life stories with audio or video recordings, and those who provide an extended presence in the last 24 to 48 hours of life, provide support by listening to family members and reminisce or just being there as a caring presence. So, you know, connecting people to their past and helping them shape the memories before they die is a big part of what we do in hospice. In addition to non-denominational chaplains who can work with both patients and family members, we have expressive therapists who who help people connect through art and music. You know, I, that is really interesting. I think most folks wouldn't immediately think of art and music uh, therapy being a part of hospice or healthcare. You know, we do hear that a lot, Steve. So, you know, listening to a favorite song can connect someone to their past or allow them to open up emotionally. I think we've all felt that way with music before, mm-hmm. you know, felt its emotional and therapeutic effects. Music and art help people communicate or express themselves when talking about things that are difficult and, and can often help a family member connect to each other. You know, this may be the first time that family members have acted in a caregiving role like this, and it, it can often be an adjustment for them as well as for the patients. Often the role requires a shift in family dynamic in which the child is now taking care um, for the parent or, or taking on the caretaking role of a parent, which can be stressful for both the child and the parent. And that is no kidding. We're not trained for that. <laughs> right. You know, it's kind of a role reversal, right? It is. It is. It's, uh, there's nothing comfortable about that at all. <laughs> You're right. And so music or art can help the family members connect with their loved one and allow them to have that time and connection beyond their caregiving role. 
you know, hospice is absolutely about providing comfort and compassionate care to the patient, but it really doesn't stop there. It's also about ensuring that caregivers and other close family members have the support they need to do the best that they can for their loved ones. Okay, excellent. And can you give us some examples of other things your staff find people need you know, while they're caring for a family member? You know, there's three things, Steve, that I'll, I'll mention. First is just information. Um, you know, this is something that our staff can help with. You know, um, a new diagnosis can be overwhelming and symptoms can change rapidly with an advanced disease or at the end of life. Um, hospice and palliative care staff, you know, we're, we're highly trained um, and specialized experts that can help caregivers learn about this illness and prognosis. Caregivers have shared that being informed helped them feel confident that their family member is getting the best care and is free from pain and taking some of that burden and worry off of their shoulders. Mm -hmm. A second item is just reassurance. You know, symptoms are normal and the team is there to adjust the care plan throughout the journey. So feeling overwhelmed, confused, sad, exhausted, even angry, that's all normal. You know, our chaplains and social workers, nurses and volunteers are there to help with this and can provide referrals to resources, respite or mental health support. Caregiving can feel very isolating, um, but you don't want to feel alone. You know, it's important to understand that caregiving is difficult and these challenges are completely normal as we've talked about today. As a caregiver of someone experiencing a serious or life-limiting illness in particular, you're, you're working to meet the physical and emotional needs of your loved one while also coping with your own feelings about the increasing frailty and potential loss of someone that you love very much. So besides information reassurance, the third thing is just reminders. It's okay to take a break and ask for help. It's okay to take time for yourself. Um, and hopefully some of the ideas we've shared today will be helpful to others. Often um, – you know, reaching out and um, offering to, to, to get help are just important reminders in, in our team helps encourage you to do that. Um, so, you know, if you know somebody that's a caregiver for someone you, you might be sharing caregiver duties with, like a sibling or a spouse, you know, all of those, those dynamics. Mm -hmm. uh, remember, um, while much of your time and effort is devoted to ensuring your loved one's own nutritional, physical, and other needs are met, don't forget – about yourself, and you got to give yourself that same consideration. I would just remind you to take time to ensure that you're eating regularly, uh, balanced meals, getting enough sleep, including short walks and other physical activity. Now at the, the beginning of the year is a great time to reset, plan, set goals as a caregiver um, for yourself and the person you're caring for, just like we do so many things in our lives at this time of year. But remember, um, doing this um, at any time, if you're feeling overwhelmed or uncertain, just step back and uh, try to do a reset. Absolutely. And it's just all fantastic information. We're talking about, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions and supporting uh, the caregiver, you know, caring for someone uh, who is who is ill or maybe an aging family member. And, and, and so you talked about, you know, information, reassurance and reminders. The information part really kind of triggered a thought in my mind, uh, you know, I have a family member, a fairly new diagnosis of cancer, but they mm -hmm. caught it early. That's the fortunate part of it. And so uh, they were able to uh, go in and, and remove that area and then follow up with radiation. But, you know, I remember we were at an outdoor activity in the summer and my wife gets the call and just lost it. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's that is the reaction. So how do you get control of this? information. So we learned about it. 
information is power uh, and, and, and knowledge is power. And so we, we learned about it. And, and again, very fortunate, early, early going uh, with, with uh, her cancer diagnosis. And, and, and we got educated on this and then we understood the treatment and the process and the radiation. And she got to ring her bell. They declared her cancer free. Terrific. And we had a heck of a celebration uh, at her house over, over the over the Christmas holiday. I'll tell you that. So, so great. It's so great. But you're right. Information is so important. And, and that helped us deal with it. It helped her deal with it, too. I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, my mother-in-law and uh, and she was scared to pieces. And uh, but that helped her understand and deal with it and then get this positive attitude uh, to jump in there. And then, of course, everyone jumped in to help. And uh, it was uh, it, it was uh, it, it was really a, a beautiful thing. Everything, everyone coming together and, and helping her through that. So yeah. it takes everybody, you know, um, and, you know, like you said, your wife likely was part of that caregiving team and she needed support even from you, right? I mean, just yeah. each day it's uh, need that reassurance uh, in order to help keep going. Yep, it is tough. So uh, so today, again, visiting with David Wiley, the president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And uh, this is just, uh, David, such helpful information. And as we head into this new year and think about ways that uh, we can take time to care for ourselves and even facing challenges like being a caregiver, uh, just really appreciate all the great information that you shared uh, with us today. Thanks, Steve. It's a pleasure and uh, glad to be here today and wish you a happy new year. Excellent. Happy new year to you as well. Thanks. Again, that was Mr. David Wiley, again, president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. What a what just what a, a wonderful, wonderful man he is. And uh, and what a wonderful organization he heads up. Look, I mean, he said a lot. <laughs> the the B. Haley Fund. I don't know. And there, and there may be some hospice organizations that would that would take some measures uh, like this, but uh, this this organization they raise a tremendous amount of money throughout the year so that they can go over and above serving uh, their their patients, the families of their patients, and guess what? Even more than that, serving our community. Did you know that they would offer support and information and direction and resources for you, even if you're not their patient. They are here as a a beautiful, wonderful, and super supportive part of our entire community. All right. That is saying something. Raising money and then helping people, you know, around the holidays, helping people uh, who may be a little bit short and need some basic, you know, household goods, uh, just, just to, just to get them by kind of a, uh, not a handout, but a hand up, if you will. So uh, just, just phenomenal, just phenomenal. So again, I just, I would highly encourage you uh, to reach out to the, the wonderful team at Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, 816. 816- Three six three two six zero zero. That's a Missouri number, but they they uh, service uh, I don't know a, a lot of counties on, on the Kansas and the Missouri side of the state line. So the entire I would say the extended KC metro area eight one six three six three two six zero zero, or visit online at kchospice.org. And I'll have more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. To contact Steve or a guest on his show, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more coming up.
Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. Have a question? Visit SeniorCareLive.com. All right. So uh, a few things in the news that I wanted to talk about. So here we go. And now, Senior Care in the News. A news report from Steve Keeker, president of Senior Care Consulting. Okay, so this is from CNBC. It's been all over the news. Everyone's reported on this. Uh, this is this uh, this past week from this past Monday, uh, January the 9th. Nurses go on strike at two big New York City hospitals. And I don't know if you've heard about that, but uh, if... Um, if you haven't, here we go. Thousands of nurses went on strike Monday at the two of New York City's major hospitals after contract negotiations stalled over staffing and salaries nearly, nearly three years into the coronavirus pandemic. The privately owned hospitals were postponing non-emergency surgeries, diverting ambulances to other medical centers, pulling in temporary staffers, and in this one, My wife kind of chuckled on this one. (laughs) She's a nurse, by the way. (laughs) Uh, And assigning administrators with nursing backgrounds to work hands-on in the wards (laughs) in order to cope with the walkout. Uh, So that'll get those those, uh, administrators (laughs) a real hands-on look at, oh, my gosh, this is what our people are working with (laughs) and dealing with. So I, I think that part is actually a really good thing. As many as 3,500 nurses at Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx and about 3,600 nurses at Mount Sinai Hospital in Manhattan were off the job and hundreds picketed and some singing the chorus from uh, uh, the, the 1984 Twisted Sister song, We're Not Gonna Take It. So they were having some fun with this, but this is, uh, this is serious stuff. Uh, they, were, they were singing that song outside of uh, uh, Mount Sinai Hospital. If you recall, it's one of the many New York hospitals deluged with you know COVID nineteen patients as the uh, coronavirus made uh, the city the epicenter of deaths in the spring of two thousand and twenty. So who could forget all of that? And then a quote: uh, "We were heroes only two years ago," said Warren. See, I hope I don't mess up his name here. Yerquart, a nurse in transplant in transplant and oncology units. We were on the front lines of the city when everything came to a stop, and now we need to come to a stop so they can understand how much we mean to this hospital and to the patients. So the Union for Nurses, the New York State Nurses Association, say they had to strike because chronic understaffing leaves them caring for too many patients. And one nurse who generally attends to eight to ten patients at a time says that's twice the ideal number of, of patients that he should be caring for. And so, you know, I could go uh, and well, OK, so we'll talk about this. Uh, there's a Ashley Woodside who said her 12 hour operating room shifts often stretch to 14 hours because of short staffing, forcing her and others to work a tremendous amount of overtime. We love our job. We want to take care of our patients, but we just want to do it safely and in a humane way uh, where we feel we are appreciated. Okay, and that's coming from a nurse of eight years. 
so uh, we're, you know we're we're talking about you know giving them raises and paying them properly, uh, but but you know here, here's the bottom line: that's that's a really uh, uh, dangerous and, and difficult uh, situation. And and the bottom line is you have to be staffed properly. You have to have the right uh, ratios. Otherwise, guess what? You're going to have people with really negative outcomes, and that's going to lead to lawsuits against the hospital. And this whole thing is going to go right down the drain real quick. So I I hope they're able uh, to get that uh, taken care of. And then this is from U.S. News and World Report. Staffing shortages have U.S. nursing homes in crisis. Okay, and this is from a, a little while back, but it talks about there's a shortage of nursing home beds for the elderly in America due to severe staffing crisis that has caused long-term care communities to cut back on new admissions. And that is absolutely true. That's happening right here in the KC market, and I know it's happening all over the country. I just uh, recently spoke with an excellent, this is a top-level long-term care community, and uh, I was informed that they are capping uh, their their census at uh, about I think twenty five or thirty beds less than their actual capacity. They used to run at capacity all the time, but now because of this this staffing shortage, it, it's just so severe. Uh, they're they're taking out twenty five to thirty beds out of commission and calling that their new maximum. And that's painful because that is one of the one of the best options uh, for folks here in 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 my area in my little uh, you know part of the world here. It says three out of five nursing homes, or 61%, have limited new admissions due to staffing shortages. Again, that's happening right now, and I'm aware of it. And that's according to a survey conducted by the American Healthcare Association and the National Center for Assisted Living uh, and uh, uh, 759 nursing home providers. And nearly three out of four, 73%, are concerned they'll have to close their facilities over staffing problems. The survey found it says we project that more than 400 nursing homes could close this year due to this workforce and economic crisis. OK, that's a horrifying thought, uh, but I'm already seeing it. I've already seen a number of CCRCs, continuing care retirement communities. I've seen some of them just discontinue. Uh, I know of two of them just off the top of my head. They just stopped doing long-term care. They just shut it down. Uh, they they don't have enough nurses to properly staff it. They're providing poor care. They're getting in trouble. Uh, the state is coming in and hitting them with huge fines and penalties. And they're like, you know what? This isn't worth it. We're just going to continue offering independent living and assisted living. And if you want long-term care, you're just going to have to go somewhere else. That's a major problem because <laughs> – we're having fewer and fewer uh, uh, above average and well above average long-term care providers. We're seeing fewer average care providers. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot more below average and well below average long-term care providers. So here's the question. You know, what is the answer? How, how are we going to fix this? Now, a lot of people say, give me government-controlled health care. Then a lot of people say, no, that's the wrong thing to do. We should let the private market work it out because you get a lot better care. You get a lot more research and development when there's profit in that. So you've got these two conflicting theories. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you, we already really have at least government-influenced 
health care because guess what? You can't hire more nurses or pay more money to your staff if the reimbursement that you're getting through Medicare and Medicaid continues to be flat or actually decrease. Something has to give. It's pretty scary. I'm I'm uh, I, I'm I'm highly concerned. I, I hate to end the program on a on a kind of a sour note or a negative note, but uh, this is a major major development, and we're going to keep our eyes on it. I'll continue to report that. Hopefully, we have some good news coming for you on that. All right, I'm Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.